Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. We are so excited that you are joining us for the show today. This podcast aims to explore a biblical life view in a conversational tone. Let's join our host and founder of Servants of Grace, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have the pleasure of welcoming back Dr. Robert Jones. Dr. Jones, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Well, thank you, Dave. Always good to be here with you and your uh, hearers. Yes, sir. It's it's always wonderful to, to talk to you. I, I very much appreciate you. Well, can you uh, just catch us up on what's going on in your life, marriage, ministry, and what, what current ministry projects are you working on today, uh, recently, sir? Well, we just celebrated our 36th year of marriage. God's been very good to us. Uh, we have uh, two adult sons, ages 31 and 27. They uh, live back in uh, Raleigh, Durham, Wake Forest, North Carolina area, where we came from three years ago. So I just finished my third and starting my fourth year here at, at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary here in Louisville. And uh, God has also given us two uh, granddaughters who are three years old and uh, I guess 20 months old right now. I continue to be uh, active in counseling in my local church and of course teaching full-time and then some and uh, some travels as well here at uh, Southern Seminary with uh, master's and doctoral programs. I'll spare the commercial but it's a hop in place and we love what's going on here and uh, it's just been a great place to be. In terms of uh, current projects, I am working uh, feverishly now with two other co-authors as I'm uh, sort of the lead writer on a intro uh, to counseling textbook, a biblical counseling textbook that I uh, hope to have our manuscript submitted in January, and that'll be another year or so until it actually gets out on the market. That's um, entitled The Gospel for Disordered Lives, showing how the gospel scriptures speak into the world of, quote, disordered lives and counseling. So excited about that. And just finished an, an anger uh, devotional, 31-day devotional, Anger Calming Your Heart. And I love uh, that series that uh, that's part of. So that's what's happening in my world, Dave. Thanks for asking. Well, it's always wonderful to, to hear what uh, the Lord is up to with, with our listeners. So I, I really appreciate you sharing. And I have no doubt that that book um, coming out here in, in the next couple of years will, uh, Lord willing, be very helpful to serve the church and God's people. So uh, thank you for your work, sir. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Can you uh, please tell us a little bit about this booklet, Contentment, Joy That Lasts, why you wrote it, and uh, how do you hope it'll be, how do you hope it will be received? Yeah, well, uh, it, it began many years ago, actually, and it was first uh, published as an article, but I had done a major revision and restructuring and uh, yeah, a lot of improvements since an older article. Uh, as almost all the things I've written, uh, Dave, they've come out of my actual ministry practice with people as I, particularly with this topic of contentment, it's one of those topics that kind of spreads across the whole um, spectrum of counseling problems. It's not so much an issue specific like you know, anger, anxiety. It's rather something that I think pervades a lot of problem areas. And so with a desire to uh, address people in general and particularly trying to touch uh, a particular important aspect of a lot of different counseling problems. Uh, you know, in other words, there's people who struggle with addiction or, or anger or whatever it is, but, but contentment is often part of that kind of looming 
problem that lies underneath, a discontentment. So it came out of uh, my pastoral ministry and preaching through Philippians chapter 4, and it's become uh, a common theme. So that's why I, I, I wrote the uh, upgrade and made it into a booklet. Well, I, I really enjoyed uh, reading this booklet, and, and it's such a needed topic. There's there's not a lot of, of books out um, uh, that, that touch on this topic. I, I think there needs to be more. I'm, I'm encouraged um, that Dr. A- Andy Davis um, of F- FBC Durham wrote a book uh, with Baker this this year, and and then you've written this book on content, this booklet on contentment, and uh, so I'm, I'm encouraged that there's there's more conversation, more being written on this topic because uh, people people really need it. They they need help on this topic, uh, and, I, and I'm saying like I need help too. Um, you know, I I uh, have struggled with issues related to contentment, and you know the the reminders um, and and instruction are, on this topic are, are just so essential for every Christian, no matter how long they've been a Christian. So, thank you. Well, and I try to give an, an example or two of my own life uh, in there. And, and to, to what you said, yes, uh, thankfully there are some books and, and booklets and devotional things coming out on this topic of contentment. A lot of us are who do write in this area have been very appreciative of the Puritan Jeremiah Burroughs, uh, his uh, his famous book, the, the Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Uh, so that's uh, if you can uh, work your way through old Puritan talk or uh, get an updated version of that. That's another classic book just for your listeners to know. Yeah, that's that's really a good book, as you as you said. Um, um, but where where does true contentment for the Christian begin? You know, at the risk of sounding kind of simplistic, and then I will certainly want to you know, unpack that for you. I really have a one word answer, and it is it is God. And again, <laughs> at the risk of sounding simplistic, but it's interesting as you trace through Paul's argument in Philippians four, he really takes it back to God Himself and the strength that uh, God, the Triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit provide for us. And so it really is. Uh, comes from from the Lord, and that's why I don't think that apart from uh, that saving and growing relationship with Jesus, the kind of relationship described in the Scriptures, uh, one will be able to uh, enjoy and uh, live out a true contentment. Yeah, that that's really really good. I, I love what you're saying, what you just said about God being the the focus. Because I mean, you look at verse four four of of Philippians four four, and Paul commands Christians to rejoice, and then what does he do? He says the reason why they're to rejoice in verse uh, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know, which everybody quotes and I can do all things, but but you can't do all things in yourself. You can do all things because of Christ. That's what Paul says. And yeah. that what they yeah. often pe- yeah. people often miss is the flow of that argument. And we, we can rejoice because Christ is sufficient. We can be anxious for nothing we, because Christ strengthens us. Um, so, so yeah, I, I just, yeah. I just find that, I just find that to be just so helpful to understand that, that passage personally. And then I appreciate your uh, reminding us that we need to read these passages in their context and follow the flow of thought, because Paul is not sitting down and composing some kind of book, per se. He's writing a letter to people who have pastoral needs and struggles, and he knows how to address those problems uh, through an entire letter. Yeah, that's really that's really good. Um, how, how can the church help Christians to learn contentment? You know, of course, my 
my first answer is going to be uh, counseling people well and bringing the biblical uh, gospel truths into the individual lives. But it really is a whole church ministry. I, I, I could single out three things beyond just counseling per se. One is obviously the preaching of God's Word. And uh, the more that we are able, those of us who do preach or have preached, to bring forth the themes of contentment in the pulpit and to bring them out in the life of individuals that they're speaking to, that's that's crucial. You know, another place, though, Dave, is songs, song selection. I think it's a really important hmm. aspect. Um, I think this is a place where so many of us who've grown up, at least within the church, have found theological support. I, I listened to my uh, seminary president today, Dr. Al Muller, who was talking about the place of hymns on the cross, hymns about the blood of Christ and how helpful they were when he encountered liberalism. He was able to go back to some of those roots and question that. So song selection and worship, the great hymns of the faith that stress contentment and peace amid hardships. And then a third place for me that I would want to emphasize is small group life. This is a place where, as God is teaching one member contentment, the other members can learn. And as we share in small groups, some of the struggles that we might be facing or a hardship that just happened to us or an accident or something related to children. Uh, and as we then can talk about how God is calming our soul and giving us what we subtitled in this book with a joy that lasts, then I, I think uh, we really help uh, one another grow in contentment. That is uh, that is really, really well said. I don't have anything to add to that. Um, how, how can we learn contentment through challenging situations? I think one thing that strikes me about this passage in Paul, uh, really focused on chapter 4, Philippians 10 through 13, is the repetition of the word learn. And one of the things that I try to do in the booklet is to take the fact that we know Paul learned contentment amid uh, whatever the circumstances. I, I tried to go through various kinds of circumstances we know about Paul's life. And so we're going to talk about the um, financial struggles and rejection from people and physical hardships, etc. In other words, all those different kinds of crises. But I think the key verb here is that word learn. So how can we learn through challenging situations? Well, this then, almost by definition, when we call it learning, it's it's a function of time. It's a function of gradual maturation. It's progressive um, growth and sanctification in our lives. And so as every challenge arises, uh, we're, we have the opportunity as believers, James 1 trials to make us mature, we have opportunities as believers to, to turn to God in a fresh way, to wrestle with Him, to cry out to Him, to lament um, and, and, and struggle with God and wrestle as Jacob wrestled with God. Uh, I think it's uh, that's how we learn. It's going to be a process, and that's where the body of Christ could be of so so much help and as needed counseling. Yeah, that's that's a really really good answer. Well, I'm I'm really interested in your answer to this particular question. How do how do Christians haunted by memories of a sinful past learn contentment? Well, I don't want to. Uh promote too many of my own things, but there, I do feel in light of this question, it's uh, a booklet that I did uh, years ago now called Bad Memories, Getting Past Your Past. And the bad memories there are not what happened to me or how I've been sinned against, but it is, as you just asked, what about our sinful past? It's how to deal with your sinful past. And uh, the, the booklet uh, really picks up on First uh, Timothy chapter 1, where Paul recalls his guilty past, where he was a blasphemer. And and, uh, you know, persecuted the church of God. And yet God has helped him to redeem those memories. He, he didn't, uh, God didn't take the memories away, nor is he saying to Paul, you need to, you know, um, have some kind of a electric convulsive therapy or, you know, something like that. You don't remove the memory. 
but you learn how to redeem the past. We just heard a testimony in our church not long ago from a woman who had, who had a pretty sordid life, um, both sinned against and then sort of her own uh, contribution to that in her past, and how God is just able to reframe her thinking for a kind of new narrative that is through gospel lenses. Um, so I do think it's uh, it's possible. I've seen it happen, and I'm thankful for pastors like First Timothy one that give us some guidance. Yeah, that's that's um, that's a really helpful answer. Uh, how do how do those with a very challenging boss or job situation? How do they learn contentment with the job the Lord has given them? Yes. Oh wow, that's a that can be a difficult situation, as uh, I'm sure many of your listeners uh, would know. Uh, you said something important in your question: the, the job that the Lord has given to them, and uh, there we do have to start with the, the providence of God. Is that at this point, at this point in my day, I've been placed in this particular job situation? There's a verse Dave, that's actually become stronger in my own life in the last few years. In fact, I had a student make me a plaque. I'm looking at it right here in my office. It's Second uh, Timothy four seven. And says, but the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. Mm. And uh, I have a very formative counseling situation early on that the Lord has used in my life ever since of a man who just had very difficult job problems there. And that very perspective of, of you're not going to this job alone. You're not driving to work alone. You don't have to handle this job. It's you and the Lord. And that maps on nicely with Philippians 4 as well, because it is uh, the Lord who gives him strength. And so that was uh, very helpful for me and continues to be. Um, to sum it up, I would say thankfulness to God that you have a job. Not everyone has a job. And uh, asking God to help you to be uh, God-pleasing a uh, woman or a man in that job world. And then uh, recognizing that job commitments are not the same as like a, a wedding vow or a covenant with God. You can change jobs. Even Paul reminds us in First Corinthians 7 that uh, even a slave should learn contentment back in that day in his uh, situation. But if you can find your freedom, Paul says, go for it. So it's not wrong to consider a job change, but, but if it's issuing out of discontentment or anger against God or unresolved relational um, disputes with, with co-workers, I think we need to stay in there and at least try to handle it God's way. Yeah, I like what you just said. Stay. Um, deal with it. Grow from it. Learn. Because um, I think what people want to do is they want to run away from it. And it's like the problems it's been said, and I, and I agree with this statement. You know that uh, you know those those problems are going to chase you into another job, or if you move away, that they're going to follow you. They don't just go away. They don't magically leave you. You know you you have to face them and, and deal with them. Otherwise, they keep coming up, and and God wants to address that in your life. Yeah, we probably uh, you know I know I've been tempted to not so much in my job world, but just certain friendships or certain ministries, perhaps tempted to kind of pull away from it, and just needing to stop and ask Lord, what do you want me to learn through? this? How can I uh, grow in this situation? How can I serve you better in this situation? And then again, uh, there there are times when leaving a job might be the wisest course, but I would always do that very carefully and not uh, in any hastily, uh, not in any hasty way. Absolutely. That's well said. I agree too. Um, how, how does the sufficiency of Christ help Christians to learn contentment? This is really where that verse 13 just pops off the page. Uh, I really do think so, that I can uh, do everything. I can do all things, everything in context there that God has called me to do, which is learning contentment through him who gives me strength. And so I think my answer is a, a conscious communion with 
Christ in the, during the day where you're thinking about and talking to Jesus in your soul constantly without, uh, without interruption there. And so that when that next hardship hits, it's you and the Lord facing it. And I, I think the other thing to remember is that no matter how this situation we're in ends, how our earthly story could be a little more dramatic ends, we, we know where we're going to land. And, and we've read to the back of the book, we know what Revelation 21 and 22 says, we know that there's a day when there will be no more mourning and, and crying and tears and hardships and no more Satan and no more worldly uh, flesh again, uh, worldly uh, you know, uh, powers against us anymore. Uh, we will be ourselves in a perfect place and ourselves perfected. So we uh, look at the Christ now today, and we look forward to that final day when all the hardships will be erased. That is, uh, that is really well said. Really well said. Uh, what would be a good place for people to start in Scripture to learn about God's character, His presence, and His promises? Well, on the subject of the booklet, was certainly Philippians 4 and its context. In fact, it's one of those books probably for a new Christian or a young Christian or um, someone who's just struggling to go through because it's so cross-centered and yet it has great applications to daily living. But when I was in seminary, one of my Old Testament profs, uh, very well-known professor said that if his favorite chapter in the Bible to learn about the promises and attributes of God was Isaiah chapter 40. And uh, it is a chapter that spans all sorts of truths and attributes about God. And then if you go from chapter 40 to chapter 41 and 42 and 43, you have a lot of uh, suffering that's going on there and how God uh, speaks into that world. And then if I could throw one more uh, out to uh, our, our listeners here, uh, our Lord's Upper Room Discourse, we call it in uh, its in John 14 through 17, and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, so certainly as a Trinitarian, we understand that whatever we see in Jesus is what we see in his Father as well. And the promises there and the uh, assurances that he gives us, do not fear, things like that, very rich uh, part part of Scripture that I would encourage uh, us to yeah, that that's uh, that's very very helpful. How do how do Christians identify the lies they believe so that they can repent of them and learn contentment? I, I think here, Dave, that our discontent and in fact any kind of uh, emotional and uh, confused thinking is going to arise from wrong beliefs mm. and wrong motives and wrong gods and visions and idols and all that that we have in our life. And so I think the art here is to take that aspect of uh, discontentment, that fruit, and try to ask, what is it that I'm wanting right now? What is it that I'm believing should happen or should not happen? And to trace that back to what does this say about how I'm viewing God? Because the lies that we believe are lies that eventually come back to an unbelief or rejection of some aspect of God's character, his promises, his sovereignty, his goodness, his wisdom, his love. And so to take that discontent, as, as others have put it, the, the, the emotions are, are really windows, they're opportunities for us to peer into our soul and to see what we're really believing and what we're really wanting and living for. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really, really helpful. Um, I really like that because, you know, I, I know in my own, I know in my own life and we're going to talk about anxiety and, and, and depression, maybe that's where 
we go next with the next question. But, you know, just, just realizing Christ is sufficient for me. Um, and that what we talked about the context, you know, that, that really helps to, that really helps to address my anxiety and my, my depression, you know, and I know, I know, um, Dr. Jones, uh, some, some people do need medicine and all that, but, but, you know, if we would, just take time just to meditate on these things. I think that would help a lot. What do you think? Oh, I do. And I think I'd want to add to that, that we don't try to do this alone, that we do this with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, uh, peers, but also leaders, pastors, um, godly men and women who've uh, dealt with some of the kinds of struggles we faced. I think the more I do counseling, this may almost sound ironic, Dave, but the more I do counseling, which pretty much we think of that as kind of one-on-one, one-on-two, me meeting with a couple or an individual or even a family, the more I do counseling, the more I see the, the need and value of the body of Christ involving mentors. And so for people who do struggle, as we think about uh, anxiety and depression, particularly depression, perhaps, there's just a real tendency to want to pull away, want to avoid, and it's counterintuitive to uh, want to reach out to someone. And in many ways, I think the burden is on us as a church to to see our friends, our sisters and brothers who are struggling with sadness or struggling with fears. For us to initiate, um, hey, can we get together for coffee? Can, can I just pray with you here today? Can I um, help you in some way? Can I make your, your burden lighter today? Uh, you, know, you might not get a lot of uh, quick reception, person might not uh, invite you to their home or something like that. But I think we're sending messages to one another that we really do care about each other. And uh, the Christian life was never designed to live alone, that we are a body. And uh, and biblical counseling is one of those things that we've been kind of underdeveloped in our um, origin, the modern biblical counseling movement, 40, 50 years old now. We've not developed well, but we're developing now, thankfully, uh, a vision of how the body of Christ needs to function together in conjunction with the individual counseling. So I think that's one of the things we need to add to our discussion. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's that's really helpful. You know, um, I need I need you, and and you need me, and. You know, uh, supremely, we need we need Christ, obviously, and you know we have union with Christ, uh, and we can commune with Christ, and and the more that we understand that, the more that we're going to want to do life with one another and and uh, fellowship with one another, and as you said that so well earlier, you know, uh, being being small groups with one another, and not just attending uh, on Sunday, which is which is great and and everything, um, but you need to be with with people, you know, in a smaller group so that. You know, you can be you can be cared for and, and loved and, and prayed for and people get to know you, what what your what's going on with you and, and just asking people, not oh well how are you? Because people are gonna most people are gonna say I'm fine. But let's maybe try what's uh what's what's new with you or what's happening with you or uh what what happened this week or something else other than um uh how are you doing? Because um, I know if somebody asks me that, I'm going to say, oh, I'm doing really well. You know, uh, we need to ask a little better question. I sat down the other day, uh, well, not too long ago, actually, with a, a guy that I knew was uh, struggling with some things in his life. And I just sat down with him. I said, so how are you doing? He said, fine. And I said, good. Now, how are you really doing? And just, you know, repeating it and saying really a little bit of emphasis, he, he knew what I was getting at. And he went ahead and opened up his life to me. So you're right. Obviously, when we simply use greetings like how you doing uh, we really don't mean that it's just it's an American greeting but when you uh, really ask it again or ask it with a little different emphasis or just pause to listen people 
will open up, and this is where we come alongside of them, encourage and help them as the body of Jesus Christ. Man, that's that's really wonderful. Wonderful said. Um, what are some practical application steps for those wanting to actively and progressively apply God's word to their situations so they can grow in contentment? Well, for me, I think we would all, in fact, I think we'd all agree, listeners probably, it's going to come back to the intake of God's word in various uh, forms, the, the, the corporate preaching, teaching publicly, and here I add small group life where you're in some kind of groups with other Christians, or maybe it's a Sunday school, where you're hearing God's Word taught and explained and, and applied. I think that's, that's going to be important. But then uh, the private reading of the Scriptures together. And here, I think just, just learning to view this as an appointment with God, that um, the Lord and I want to talk about some things, and He wants to speak to me through uh, Philippians, for example, as I've mentioned, or Isaiah 40, or John 14, that portion of scripture. And just viewing this as a time to converse with God based on his word, uh, the concept of praying through scripture, talking to God and uh, through through his word. I think that's probably one of the most beneficial ways to, to grow in contentment. Yeah, that's uh, that's really a helpful answer. Well, um, how have you learned contentment in your in your Christian life um, so you can live a satisfied, God-pleasing life? I've been a person who has been blessed with not major crises in my life. Uh, we've had a pregnancy loss. We've had a possible um, problematic pregnancy and then later pregnancy loss. Uh, dad died when I was a baby, but I never knew my dad, so I never suffered grief in that way. So growing up in a single mom home, uh, had some extra pressures maybe, so I could include that as uh, struggles. I, I know when I became a believer in my senior year of high school, God as Father became a rich doctrine for me since I had no earthly dad, and I had no good earthly dad to uh, uh, miss when he died, and I had no bad earthly dad to bring baggage or you know the bad stuff that people have to go through. I had no dad, so it kind of forced me to, as a Christian, what it means. I think that's been very helpful for me, this whole doctrine of God's presence and his sovereignty and care in my life. I think uh, God has given me a wife who models uh, contentment, and so that's been uh, a helpful thing in my life. I've been part of some really healthy churches, too, uh, both in my seminary training and then as I pastored for 19 years out of seminary in West Virginia, God gave me some really solid elders, uh, elders and their wives. So God, godly people in my life have helped me through uh, my own, albeit not severe, forms of suffering in my adulthood. I can also say that uh, while I, I myself haven't had severe forms of suffering in my adulthood, I have sat with many, many, many people who have. And I would say what I just said about me is true of them, as they've learned to know the presence of God in Christ in their lives, as they've learned to allow godly, mature, caring men and women to come into their world, as they've allowed the scriptures to form their thinking, as they've sat under good preaching and have been exposed godly modeling in the church. These are all those means of grace that I think have helped me, and I know have certainly helped a lot of people who do suffer uh, much worse things than I've had to go through. Thank you so much for sharing personally about yourself and, and um how the Lord has has worked in your life, Doctor Jones. It's it's um it's it's always helpful to to hear a little bit from from an author how how they've been impacted on a on a topic. It, it just adds something to their to what they're saying. So I, I really appreciate what you what you 
just said. So thank you. Um, there's a lot that we haven't uh, talked about about this topic. Um, and just as we wrap up, can you give us a few takeaways, please? I, I think that it's important that we recognize, and this is where looking at Paul's life can be of help to us, that there are all sorts of different kinds of challenges that people face. There's all sorts of different kinds of uh, temptations to be discontent in, in physical and spiritual and relational and financial and, and just the whole gamut of, of pressures and, and problems. But, but God is not unaware of those things. The Psalms, for example, just span the whole spectrum of emotions, but they beautifully frame those struggles that the psalmist has under the sovereignty and wisdom and goodness of God. They bring God into the picture. And so I think understanding that, I think understanding the, uh, what it means to be a son or a daughter of the living God, what it means to believe the promises that God will give you strength as you face these hardships. These gospel themes are so practical, and I, I just want all of us, me, you, Dave, and, and all our friends who are listening today, to, to know there is a God who is present through Christ and His Word and His Spirit and His Church and uh, really help us in the midst of our conflict. Of our, it's that we face. That's a, a wonderful, wonderful answer, and I and I so appreciate that. Um, but Dr. Jones, where can people uh, find more about your work on social media or more of your writing? Well, I'm pretty poor at uh, social media, Dave. In fact, I'd like to invite you, though I can't give you any salary, to move to Louisville, Kentucky here and become my uh, helper. Sweet. Um, but you don't have to say yes to that over the air here. Uh, no, I, I don't do much. But I do have a website, and uh, we do try to keep it updated between my wife and my daughter-in-law. Uh, it's uh, Robert D. Jones Counseling dot com. Robert D. D for David, middle initial there. Uh, one word: Robert D. Jones Counseling dot com. Where I do list the different, uh, we do list the different things I've written, and uh, I'm not a blogger. I don't do much. I follow some some Twitter, but I don't uh, tweet myself very often. So yeah, come to Southern Seminary. That's where we get to know each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be great. And uh, well, Doctor Doctor Jones, I so appreciate your your time and and uh, and the work that you do, and and just uh, continue to pray Christ precious blessings. And I'm thankful for the encouragement that you are to me and and to so many people. So may God richly bless you, sir. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you were encouraged by today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. For more uplifting and thought-provoking content, please visit us online at servantsofgrace.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Servants of Grace and on Facebook at facebook.com slash servantsofgrace. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you next time.